Welcome back to Mismo. This is not a drill, people. We have a major announcement. We have been renewed by Alpern Organics for another year of 40% off CBD. If you guys remember, we thought, all right, so it's going to go back to 20% off. But no, they gave us 40 full percent off, y'all. Not a drill. Uh, if you've tried it, you know. If you haven't yet experienced this vegan, veteran-owned CBD company that sources all of their hemp from Colorado, it is so um, helpful in daily life, right, Ashley? It really is. We use their topicals. We use their tinctures. We even use the pet CBD for our dog, Dee Dee. She loves it. We, it's uh, helpful with back pain, with anxiety, with sleeping. I so mean, So many things. Give it a try, and you can try it for 40% off when you go to alpenorganics.com and use the discount code Ashley at checkout. I'm Mick Torres. I'm Ashley Argoda. And, and we, we are Mismo. Today we talked to Chris Aguila, who is a member of the Sunday Company at Groundlings. Yes, he's also a fellow Trojan alumni. So we talked quite a bit about improv and how we met, and then we got into a really good discussion about creating content during quarantine. I also found out during this episode that he's half Filipino, so we talk a lot about that. It was a really fun episode. Enjoy. Chris, thank you for coming on and talking to us today. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited. This Yay! is I haven't seen you in so long, Nick. I think it was last Christmas that I saw you when you were doing uh, you were doing a play. I didn't even see your cast in the play, but I saw the changeover. Do you remember that? Oh, totally. I, you saw me at Nutcracker, Nutcracker. like trying to hide and go past like I was timing my way because it was a double cast show and they had just done right. two and then we come in and do two so I was like you know whatever in my hoodie or or <laughs> something trying to sneak by but I saw you and uh that was that was fun yeah we talked a little bit it's wild to think that, that was a year ago I know the, the, this whole year has seemed so long but at the same time like yesterday day things were open and now it's all closed yeah do you remember when we were like this is only gonna last a couple weeks right we're just gonna be home for two weeks this is great it's a mini vacation oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i was like oh yeah it's nice it'll be like a break and we'll get to slow down and then i was like oh, it'll just be a month or okay it'll be three months and <laughs> now i'm just like completely stopped trying <laughs> to guess when things will happen yeah totally how have you been doing in quarantine uh, it's been a roller coaster, I think, to be honest. I actually, um, I, I'm a performer with the Sunday Company at the Groundlings, and a lot of us actually got coronavirus right at the beginning in March. Whoa. Uh, and luckily, n no one had to go to the hospital, and, and we were all very fortunate. But the first part of the, the shutdown, you know, we were all pretty sick, and I was kind of bedridden. And once I got better... I felt like I was just then experiencing what people were experiencing when we first shut down. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I was distracted with being sick. Right. So I wasn't thinking about, like, 
not working and not seeing friends and stuff. And, and then, you know, a month later, I, I felt like I was just catching up to how, uh, how hard and isolating it all was. Wow. But um, yeah, luckily we were all fine and got better. It's Good. funny that you ask him how he's been doing. One of your Instagrams and TikToks that I saw was like, when somebody asks, uh, when somebody tells you they're doing great during quarantine. Yeah. Um, I I wondered because you've been doing all of these fun characters on TikTok and Instagram. Because you're in Sunday Company, like I, I'm imagining what that must be like during this time. Because you should be, or normally you would have that time to play all these different characters and and prep them and pitch them. But is have you found that TikTok is where you're doing that because you're not in a theater right now? Yeah, yeah. It, I was really resistant to it for a long time. And, you know, I was holding out that things would open up and I was really optimistic. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually just was seeing all of my friends doing it and it seemed like such a fun outlet. But even then I was like, no, it's not for me. I'm, I'm too old or, you know, like I'm too old school. Um <laughs> But it's turned out to be kind of uh, giving me like a routine again, because I'll, I'll wake up and sort of write things out and try things. And uh, it's it's been really important in actually me starting to feel creative again, getting back on social media, because I was also off of social media for a really long time. But it's, you know, it's a double edged sword, I think. Yeah. With the socials. But as of right now, I can say it's been a really fun outlet to be creative and try things out and it's sort of low pressure so if things fail they kind of you know go away (laughs) (laughs) i mean your instagram was my introduction to you make told me that you were in sunday company at the groundlings and then he was like check out check out chris's instagram it's so good and i think the first thing i saw was one of your adam driver um your adam driver (laughs) impressions and it was (laughs) So good. Just like a quick side note, like how did how did the Adam Driver impression come about? Like, are you a fan? Did this just like happen? Well, well, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Adam Driver. I am not an impressionist. And I sort of make fun of myself for how bad of an impressionist I can be. Uh, But someone just said to me once that I, I kind of had hair like him and we sort of can talk really like someone described it as eggy like an eggy quality to our voices and i was like okay you know it's a compliment i I like him so that's truly where it came from but it's it's not something that i thought i could do or have been workshopping for a long time it was just simply someone said your hair is kind of like his and you have an eggy voice like his (laughs) well i'm glad they told you that because i thought it was hilarious nicely done oh Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. To take that kind of... It sounds like we have sort of a similar attitude towards social media. It's like pulling teeth for me a lot of the time. But you've found a way to do it and make it feel creative and make it feel authentic, it seems like. But I I get it. I was so late to the party, on all I, as I always am with it. Whenever the new social thing comes up, like Vine... Like, I was so late to Vine, I never even got there because it was gone by the time I had wrapped my head around the idea. Right. I completely missed Vine. Yeah. 
A hundred percent. Yeah, it came and went. I don't even fully know what it is, to be honest. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's like the when it's when it's really great, it feels like you're connected and you're sharing things and you're taking things in. And when it's really toxic, I think it's you're just like comparing yourself to someone else's made up reality. And for me, it can. When I have to step away from it, it's when I start to look at people that I love and admire, like like friends, and be and be resentful of their success. That's that's when I know it's time to delete the app and and take a second and realign with what it is that I want to do. You know? Yeah. yeah. Because it's too easy. I think it's too easy to like think that social media is real life. Totally. Know? kind of convinces you that everyone is having a great time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So with Sunday Company, can you at like walk us through a little bit? Because I, I know of a couple people who have gone to varying levels of the way through the Groundling School and mm-hmm. even to that point where they got to the show where it's decided whether you'll be in Sunday Company or not. So I can yeah. imagine how special and important that was. Um, but... But can you just tell us about your journey through Groundlings a little bit? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I, I kind of got into improv by accident. I I don't come from like an artsy family or performance family, but um, I started doing choir actually in middle school, and I'm also not a singer because of my eggy voice. But I, <laughs> I, I love being on stage. And luckily, my choir teacher was, like, really into Les Mis. So we were, like, 12-year-olds singing, like, I Dreamed a Dream. And I was like, oh, this is emotional and people are reacting to it. So when I was in high school, uh, that was the first time that a drama program was available. And I really wanted to be, like, a serious, dramatic, screaming, crying kind of actor. Mm. And... uh, we had to do monologues for one of the first days of classes and I didn't know what that was. So I Googled like most dramatic monologues and uh, I got like one from, I think it was like from law and order or something. It was something crazy about, you know, like a bicyclist was dead and I know you did it. And I was throwing papers off my desk and, and screaming and crying and people were laughing and it was, <sighs> It was such a like like in internal heat of embarrassment that was coming through because you know they I thought they were laughing at me and and afterward my teacher pulled me aside and was like you're really funny and I, and that was such a slap in the face because I really was not trying to be funny <laughs> and she was like no it's a gift you know you you have like a natural inclination towards comedy and you should try improv and I didn't know what that was either. So I looked it up and, and at the time it was whose line is it anyway? was like the big, the big thing on TV. I loved whose line. Right. And it's so many people's only like exposure to improv. Totally. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's fun and cool. And so I did that all throughout high school. And, uh, my friends on my 18th birthday, bought me a gift certificate to the Groundlings, which I had only heard about because Will Ferrell had gone to school there and I loved him on SNL. Mm. And my friends were like, you should do it. Like, 
they all put in their money. They paid for my class. And I was like, okay, this is, this seems like the direction I should be going in. Uh, and I was, yeah. And it was really sweet. And I was 18 when I took my first class and I did really well. The, the classes are sort of tiered and, and you do a basic improv class first. And then if you pass that, you get into an intermediate class which I was in and was horrible, terrible. My teacher pulled me aside and was like, listen, you need to take time. She actually said you need to take 10 years, grow up, go to college if you want, get life experience and come back. And at the time it, it pissed me off and it, it confused me. And I was like, what does she know? Wow. Like, I'm a 19-year-old kid now, and, and like, I'm going to take this town by storm. And, you know, obviously that didn't happen, and I went to college and um, took other improv classes and moved to New York and came back. And it just so happened that 10 years later, I had that same teacher uh, in a writing lab class at the Groundlings. Wow. And I didn't even realize that 10 years had passed, but... We had a conversation and, and, you know, I told her that I had her 10 years prior and, you know, kind of took her advice and, and that was really helpful. And, and I had life experience that I could draw from to write and improvise. And then you kind of like move on to other writing classes and that's when it gets really high pressure because the groundlings are watching you and voting on you. And, you know, you do shows and that's sort of like your audition into Sunday Company. And I think the second time around at the Groundlings, it took about five years to get through the school before I became a Sunday Company member. Wow. Uh, which I am now and was for three months before the shutdown. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was a real roundabout journey to say that it, it took a really long time. It, it takes a really long time. Uh, which I think is good because the training is really intensive. Uh, and that was one of the best pieces of advice I got as an artist is go live your life because that just sort of feeds you creatively and it gives you a well to draw from. So, yeah, I'm really grateful for that piece of advice because I could have just tried to be a punk kid and force my way through the program and get voted out and be really resentful for the rest of my life. Wow, that's incredible. What a story. There is so much to unpack there. <laughs> I'll start with saying that I was taking, I took a Groundlings class while I was in either my freshman or sophomore year of college. And uh, so we were, you know, similar age. And I wonder if it was the same teacher because she told me that I just needed some more life experience and she wasn't going to pass me on to level two. And, yes. you know, um, my path didn't actually I did take groundlings one again like a couple years ago this time I passed but then I just haven't gotten around to taking level two because I, I did some theater instead but yeah I I think there is something to that life experience that that sense of maturity there are a couple of you know lightning bolts out there who are ready to go at 21 years old yeah. but but for most of us that that pool of wisdom to draw on is where a lot of the comedy comes from. Yeah, I agree. And I think comedy comes so much from your point of view in life. 
Uh, and I, I just, at least for me, I didn't have, have much of a point of view at 18, except that like high school is hard and people are <laughs> bullied. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you do think you know everything. Everything. (laughs) You know everything, and and I I I was shocked that anyone thought that I didn't have all of the talent in the world. (laughs) You know, it was just like my eyes had to be open to so much. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize you lived in New York for a while. What brought you over there? I did. Yeah. I. You know, I, I had always wanted to live there and, um, it just, I was dating somebody at the time who got a job out there and I moved out with them and which by the way, isn't the best reason to move somewhere, <laughs> you know, across the country. Uh, Cause we weren't like, we weren't engaged. We weren't even together that long. It was just like, uh, <laughs> it was sort of like a whim, like if you go, I'll go. And I've always wanted to live there. But that was the reason why I went up there and uh, struggled a lot because I'm from Long Beach originally and then I went to USC. So I've kind of always been in the Southern California world, uh, but thought it was important for me to live somewhere else uh, just as a person to experience something completely different. Uh, And I did uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York and performed there for a while I think I was there for about two and a half years, and then I came back. Nice. Did you go all the way through that school as well? I did, yeah. In the uh, uh, in the interim, when I was in L.A. at 18, when that teacher was like, take 10, take 10 years, I was like, forget it. You don't know anything. I'm <laughs> going to UCB. And so I did UCB while going to USC. And so I did the program there. So when I went to New York, uh, I sort of was performing more. I kind of got to bypass some of the school stuff. Oh, cool. Do you feel like the New York improv scene is different than the L.A. improv scene at all? I, I do, actually. It, and I don't know how much of it was me projecting, but it, mm. the New York scene seemed really close-knit and hard to break into. Mm. Um. And I think coming from L.A., there was already like you got to prove yourself, especially because I trained in L.A. I didn't train in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, People were kind of like, we're going to see what this like L.A. boy has to offer before (laughs) we let you into our club. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that was kind of I feel like improv here in in Los Angeles. The community is so much bigger and it's not just like comedians who who do improv it's you know it's it's actors it's models it's you know professionals who just want to like loosen up Mm. so i just i kind of just felt like the community in la is a little bigger and more welcoming yeah i i don't know the new york improv scene but i agree about the la scene where um I mean, certainly there's on some levels that it's a little bit difficult to break into, you know, groundlings, like you said, in those higher levels gets very competitive, but but like UCB 101, um, I love all of the different reasons you'll find somebody in a a 101 class. (laughs) It, like you said, it might be a professional just trying to loosen up or work on public speaking or presentate, uh, presentation skills, right? Wow. It's just fun. 
That's so cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. And I think it's so valuable to meet people who aren't actors because I think we can kind of get into bubbles and then we think that we are the only kinds of people that exist. Yeah. And like, I'm just thinking there was like an, an older woman in a class once who was a therapist and she was so funny, but had no <laughs> dreams or desires to be a performer or an actor. She was just solely doing it for fun. And it sort of like woke me up because, you know, I was kind of doing it for professional reasons and like to get ahead and get my foot in the door. But when you see someone do something purely out of joy, it's it's like transcends training or or craft. It's just it's it's so infectious in a way. And and that was so great about UCB and that community of people and and you know, just kind of like seeing people from a from a different world come in and have fun. Now, just this is a side note just for me. I was a huge Whose Line Is It Anyway fan growing up. Yeah. Um, who was your favorite person on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, I loved Colin. Same! I'm forgetting his last name. Colin. Um, oh, you did you? I was going to say Colin Firth, but that's for sure not the person who was on Whose Line Is It Anyway. And I'm thinking Colin Jost. And Jost. It's not Colin Jost. Yeah, no, not it's Colin not. Colin Jost. It's Colin Mockery. Mockery. Wow. Mockery. Mockery. Yeah. Loved him. Nailed it. I ended up later on also in my life. Wayne Brady's. Oh, go ahead. I yes, I loved Wayne Brady. I think you were gonna say Wayne Brady is brilliant. Um, but I ended <laughs> yes. up later on when I did a show working with somebody who was a, a recurring like guest star on Whose Line Is It Anyway, and mm-hmm. it was my probably one of my favorite people I've ever worked with, like ever in my life. It was just so cool to like hear stories from behind the scenes of Whose Line Is It Anyway because it is truly like one of my favorite shows ever. So. I'm thrilled you liked that oh. show. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. It just seems so fun and like you want to be their best friends and hang yes, out with them. Exactly. I one of my favorite pastimes is looking up the bloopers of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Because first of all, that <laughs> yeah. tape is like sixteen thousand days long. And also it's it was so helpful to me just to be like, oh, you guys mess up too. That's so nice to know. <laughs> because everything it's- you see on the show is so good. <laughs> It's so polished. And that that is such a great reminder, too, because, like, when you see movies and you see plays, like, that's months of rehearsals. And, you know, like, at least when I was first deciding that I wanted to be an actor, I would watch these amazing actors and and be like, oh, I can I can do that. That's they make it look so easy. And then quickly realizing that it's not easy and yeah it takes a long time and a lot of work and you do fail a lot <laughs> yeah absolutely I think something that helped me was watching the bloopers of Wayne Brady anytime he had to improv a song because mm. you know when they air it it just looks like wow he just came up with that right off of the top of his head and then right. you don't see the like 40 bloopers that he had before that when he just couldn't figure out what to say. So it was, it's it's helpful for me at least to always know that behind the scenes, it's a lot of hard work. And then the audience is just seeing this like one perfect, polished, finished product. Oh, 100%. If anyone listening to this has not watched Whose Line Is It Anyway or the bloopers, they should YouTube them immediately. Yeah, 
Agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for True Jackson fans, if you haven't seen Mr. Madigan in his in- improv, yeah, <laughs> you need to see it. Yeah. It's always funny to me. It was I worked on a kid show with, with Greg Proop, so it was always so funny to me. And people would be like, oh my gosh, you're the guy from True Jackson. Because I wanted to be like... But he's actually the guy from Whose Line Is It Anyway, so that's Oh my important. god, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's how how has um are are you getting to collaborate now with some of the groundlings? Like what is that how does that go um, crossover, Sunday company versus main company? Yeah, it's when you're when you're doing the Sunday company, it you you really are just with that group of people because you know we're trying to write a new show every week and kind of don't have time to collaborate with anybody else wow but you do get to do uh, an improv show every six months with the main company called cooking with gas and and that's when you get to get on stage with main company and uh alumni of the school there's usually a special guest who's always really cool and the <laughs> You get to do it that way, but I'm also realizing in this quarantine where, you know, we're all just trying to make stuff and, and Sunday company people and Groundlings people are all writing stuff and, and we all want to work with each other. We, we all respect each other. So I think more so now than ever, there's a, there's a lot more crossover and collaboration mm-hmm. between the two companies, uh, which I think is really cool and I hope, I hope continues in the future. Do you think in the future, like when it's when Groundlings comes back, when Sunday Company comes back and everybody can come and see shows again, do you think you'll keep up your social media presence? Like, do you think you'll you'll keep posting these really funny things online, says a fan of your Instagram page? (laughs) I hope so. It's a it's a fun way to figure out what people like and what works in a really short amount of time. Because um, because I can get really long winded with a joke and really long winded and, and te- <laughs> technical and complicated with a sketch, <laughs> you know. And, and the young people at TikTok do not like that. So that's something good to learn. <laughs> you know, if you can make someone laugh in fifteen seconds, I, that's su- that's such a valuable skill. Yeah, that's a good point. TikTok is pretty. Uh... You have a very sh- short time to grab someone's attention. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys on? I know you're on Instagram, but are you guys also on TikTok? So I just yes. joined it. Uh, Ashley, of course, like is nailing TikTok. But here's I am not nailing TikTok in the sense of like I'm doing like TikTok dances or anything. I literally <laughs> will just like answer questions from people. Because I don't, like, I'm not cool, Chris. I'm just not that person. So I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to try and, and dab or roll the dice dance with everyone. Like, I just can't do it. So I literally answer questions from people. Once when I had a movie come out earlier this year, earlier this month, I'm sorry. And the uh, the production called me and said, hey, do you mind, like, making a TikTok to, like, let everyone know, hey, we're having a watch party tomorrow. So it's, like, me changing out of my pajamas and all of a sudden I'm in like, you know, nice clothes mm. and I've dressed up for the watch party. It took me yeah. like longer than I'm going to admit to have to <laughs> film that TikTok. And I was, I love that people like 
liked the video, but I was livid that it took that much time. Because I was like, why couldn't I have just filmed a video of my face being like, hi, we're having a watch party tomorrow. Like, please come and join us on Twitter. Bye. But no, it had to be this like whole production. Like I was in sweatpants and then I wasn't in sweatpants and it was a whole thing. So that I, my TikTok fame is literally just answering random questions that people comment on previous videos. <laughs> yeah. I'm the worst. It, it, well, I appreciate you saying that again. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that because it's like you see these TikToks and you go like, oh, they made that in like a minute. Why can't I do that? But, yeah. you know, like we were saying earlier, it takes a lot more than than that to to create content. Yeah, there's so much more work behind the scenes. And it even aggravates me when uh, videos are posted of like, this is the behind the scenes of this magical TikTok I made. And it's they make it look so easy. And I'm like, I know you put more time into that than you're admitting. No, it's like, this is a lie. You're lying to me. <laughs> it's so funny. It's also funny that, like, Going through theater school, I never would have thought that we'd be having a conversation about, you know, like the merits of TikTok. It's just like, (laughs) I didn't knew. I didn't think I would host a podcast as I was going through theater school. (laughs) But here we are talking about TikTok on a podcast. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) That's so meta. Um, So I really wanted to talk to you about the kabuki um, that we studied in school. Wow. And that, that's really what we need to hone in on. Uh, Shakespeare, <laughs> yeah. um, Greek tragedies, what the kids are listening to and interested in now that we study, Let's right? Let's get into it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to head out, Japanese guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no, I don't. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chris, are you, um, I'm just going to make this connection for the two of you. Are you Filipino? Yes, I am. I'm half Filipino. Wait, what? You didn't tell me. I'm surprised. Oh my gosh! I'm full. I'm full Filipino. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Let's go, Filipino representation. I love that. Can I? Can I ask you something about being Filipino? Yes, of course. Because, because I, I'm half, mm-hmm. and I, I get mistaken for Mexican all of the time. Every and, day of my life. Yeah, and I have to like actually like turn down stuff where it's like you'll you'll just be like Latino, and I'm like I I I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause I'm not. laughs> have you have you experienced challenges? You know, being Filipino with roles and and things like that. Yeah, I think because so few roles are written to be Filipino. Um, I'm kind of grouped in with either the Latino community or with the Asian community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get roles that are like looking for Chinese actor. And I'm like, well, no, um, I'm Filipino, but thank you for thinking of me. Or I'll get like looking for Latino girl must be great at Spanish. And I'm like, nope, again, I'm Filipino. Um, yeah. I'm not quite there, um, but thank you. So it's, it's yeah, it's tough. Cause I mean, I don't think I've ever auditioned for anything or gotten anything where they were exclusively like looking for a Filipino girl to play this. Even when they, you know how in the audition breakdown sometimes it's like, 
looking for, and then it lists like 15 ethnicities. Filipino is like never one of them, like almost never one of them. Right. So yeah, it's so weird because I get grouped in with, you know, with different communities, which are incredible and amazing, but it's, I never get grouped in with the Filipino community because there are no roles written for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's wild because there are so many talented Filipino performers. And I, I don't know if you guys know who Boni B. Alvarez is. No. He, he's a playwright. Um, and he, I, I think that I should back up a little bit. I, I, have also just kind of not, this sounds bad, but I kind of just have to get it out and see if it comes together. But I I didn't always identify with uh, my ethnicity, with with being half Filipino. Neither did I. You're not alone. Yeah, because I think that I could could pass for white or people just assumed that I was Mexican or Latino. Yeah. And I never corrected anybody because it just seemed like more effort to, to explain, mm-hmm. um, but a few years ago, I, I met this guy Boney, who is a Filipino playwright, and wrote and, and continues to write a lot of plays where that's the culture he talks about, and the the characters are Filipino and are Filipino American, or he's written a play where it do, it does take place in uh, the Philippines, mm. and doing that play i did a play with him called fixed mm-hmm. uh, which was about filipino drag queens and that was the first time in my professional life that i i connected with my ethnicity and i got to work with other filipino actors mm. and it was so so beautiful and and cathartic and so now i'm just like all over town i'm like i'm filipino <laughs> I don't don't hide it anymore. Good. Yeah, I'm definitely the same in that, like, I, um, you know, I started acting really young, and it, it, I guess my ethnicity was something I didn't really think about, because everybody kind of labeled me as ethnically ambiguous. So that's kind of just what we went with. Um, And it wasn't, truly, it wasn't until just a couple years ago, I did my friend AJ Raphael's show. He does a show called Crazy Talented Asians. And Mm. um, he, I sang a song and at the end he like thanked me for what I had done for the Filipino community growing up. Because he was like, you know, you were, when I was growing up, you were the person that my little sisters looked up to because you were the only Filipino girl on TV. And it wasn't truly until that moment that he said that that I was like oh this is like this is important being Filipino and like representing this culture is important and I think since then it's it's I'm the same way like I will run through town and be like yes I'm Filipino (laughs) (laughs) that's incredible I I feel like that's why we you know we we do this because it's you know we could touch people in that way and that's such a beautiful story yeah you you use a term there that um, ethnically ambiguous mm-hmm. that I feel like takes on a lot in our work because I, I hear it a lot in breakdowns as um, for commercials, for example, it's it's uh, mm-hmm. like your agent might say, oh, that's an, what an asset that you're ethnically ambiguous. I can submit you for anything. But yeah. uh, what I'm hearing from the two of you, it's like, 
trying to fit that into Latino or Asian um, yeah. is actually, it makes it tougher on you. I, I, yeah. I can only relate just a little bit uh, in that I'm a quarter Mexican and my last name is Torres and I, you know, I took Spanish in high school. So I, like, I can make my way through yeah. a conversation, but I'm <laughs> far from fluent. And um, I had an agent who just almost only submitted me for Spanish-speaking commercials. <laughs> just because I was like, in my, when I, when I met him and, you know, the first coffee, whatever, the only time you ever see them, I was like, yeah, I speak, uh, you know, yeah, sure, I can speak a little Spanish. And then it was like, that was the one thing <laughs> retained from that meeting. <laughs> that, that's wild. I mean, that's essentially saying that, like, your ethnicity is a special skill. And it's mm. not. You know, no. it's who you are. Yeah, right. exactly. I've never heard it put that way. That's a that's a great way to put it. Our ethnicity is not a special skill. You're right. Yeah. Um, switching gear. Thank you for that. I did not know that you were half Filipino. I'm so thrilled. Yay. Yay. Um, <laughs> that made me so happy. Were you waiting until the podcast to ask that question? I, I, I just honestly forgot to tell you before the podcast. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad this happened. I'm glad this happened on the (laughs) podcast. Um, You've mentioned like acting in plays and also doing improv. Do you see yourself doing both for the rest of your life? Are you leaning more towards improv in the future? Where? What is your like north star? I, you know, I I love film and TV. That that's obviously for so many people how they discover acting. Mm And that was always what I wanted to do. And I I always wanted to write and produce and act because in in film and TV, because I felt like it was such a powerful uh, way to tell stories that can reach so many people. Mm -hmm. And just as we were saying, like, it doesn't feel significant to us because it's our story. But when we're authentic and connect with ourselves and put it out there you know we don't we don't know who who we're touching or affecting you know in that way so i film and tv is still kind of for me the art form that i i love and i and i want to continue to pursue and and really have a hand in being artistically in control of Mm -hmm. um that being said, though, improv and theater are my foundations and my home. And every time I go back to it, it sort of reminds me of, of why I'm doing it in the first place. Yeah, Same. absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it just it sort of puts everything in, in perspective of, of, you know, why you would choose this life because it's not an easy life. Uh, and it's not an easy profession, and it's certainly misunderstood, I think, by anyone who isn't in it. Um, that, that doesn't answer your question because I'm sort of saying I want to do everything. But no, that's—I uh, mean—that's an answer too. <laughs> that's fair. I feel the same way in wanting to do everything. Um, like the 18-year-old version who showed up at USC would have envisioned like, you know, series regular, that takes me six months of the year, then I film my big like Oscar bait movie for three months, yes. and then I squeeze in a play like uh, in the time off, right? 
right. <laughs> just like a quick a quick little off Broadway. Just like not <laughs> even. I could even just like fill in for somebody. Just for like, it yeah. doesn't even matter. It's like not a big deal. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I actually I wonder if you felt this way where because I'm so interested in so many avenues of it, I feel like I didn't make myself um, easy for casting directors to know what to do with me. You know. Yeah. If, if they if they can just reliably say, oh, that's the guy who does that thing, I know exactly what to do with him. Uh, do you feel that being interested in so many different things is um, an asset or or a, a liability? Well, I think I think that it's an asset to my soul, but it is it. it it makes it harder, I think, professionally, mm. because there are people that I've done plays with who have no idea that I do improv or sketch and vice versa. And they do feel like separate worlds to me. And um, and there's, yeah, there's not a way that I know how to how to bridge the two, except for the fact that I, I love doing both. I love doing comedies and dramas plays and, and sketches. Um, but yes, I've, I've had managers and agents who saw me in a play that have no idea that I'm funny and will never <laughs> submit me to a comedy. And I've also had like commercial agents who are like, yeah, you're just like the, the character guy who, you know, who kind of looks like that, um, you know, the chef from Ratatouille. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, that's man. a cartoon <laughs> sir <laughs> uh, <laughs> <but> yeah <laughs> that that hit too hard do you, yeah you know that what, made my day that's great it do you, would you ever do stand-up or have you yeah i did I, my journey as an 18 year old that was one of the f used to the groundlings was like I was going to do stand-up and liked it what I like about stand-up is the the writing and the 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 personal nature of of it you know you're kind of just you're you have a persona but you're not really hiding behind the character it's just kind of you up there um Mm. that part I really liked about it but I do not like the um the solitariness of it, sure. that it's just you. You know, I, I, I love collaborating. I think that that's the best part about what we do. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do it every once in a while, but there's nothing that I love more than like just being with other people creating something. That chef from Ratatouille line though is a perfect like disarming line for the audience in five in your five minute set to like quickly get to know who you are. <laughs> I'll have to write that down. Yeah. I'll use that sometimes. <laughs> I just recently rewatched Ratatouille and okay. that's why it was kind of on my mind. They're yeah, doing a Ratatouille TikTok musical. Did you know that? I, I you said I so many words I, I'm not familiar with just now. <laughs> what? I guess somebody started like a funny just like tiktok musical and it's based on it's ratatouille the movie okay and they're actually doing like a reading of it with like titus burgess and wayne brady and like this is an actual thing that's happening now the power of tiktok everyone 
I mean, yeah, it's it's a real force in this business these days. We were watching a commercial the other day, and I think it was a Jack in the Box commercial. Yeah. And they were doing a TikTok dance, and you looked at the TV, Mick, and you were like, this is just a TikTok. It's a commercial, but it's a TikTok. And I was like, this is their free publicity. Like, they paid for people to dance in this commercial, and now people will do this dance on TikTok, and that's free publicity. That's wild. Yeah. The world is crazy. It's changing. It is. Anyway, back on topic... Um, I ask every guest this question. What do you think is the biggest misconception of being an actor? Oh, um, I think that the biggest misconception is that sometimes people think that the work is just what they see. Yep. Um, and I, and I'm talking kind of beyond even rehearsing. And, you know, all of that time that it takes, but kind of the mental work that it, it takes to be an actor, you know, mm-hmm. the, the time when you're not performing at all, the time when you have no job lined up or, you know, like now where the theaters are closed and we're alone in our apartments, the work we have to do to stay motivated and inspired, I think, is something that a lot of people don't recognize and it's such a mental business you know the the gymnastics of of staying positive and believing in yourself um you know that i think if if you don't if if you've never bombed an audition and like sat in your car feeling bad about yourself like you don't know what that (laughs) what that's like Mm -hmm. that's a special kind of hurt yeah that's special kind of hurt yeah (laughs) You mentioned that writing and producing and acting in film and TV would be sort of the dream and and ideal for you. So in this time, is that is writing one of the things you've done to to fill that space? Yeah, it, it's something that I was really resistant. It's it's everything that's good for me. I'm super resistant to <laughs> at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> you know, and so like it, it's it's sort of always that thing of like, you should be writing, you should be, you should be doing that. And also talk about like the work no one sees kind of trying to eliminate the shoulds from my verbal, you know, mentality Sure. and just kind of, yeah. But yes, writing is something that I love to do. And I also just sometimes feel like when I don't feel like there's a place for me in the industry, in entertainment. The most powerful thing that I can do is pick up a pen and write something for me and create that. Um, and that's something that improv taught me. Mm. That you can, you can be really powerful by creating something yourself, creating a character for yourself or a script for yourself. Uh, and so that is something that I, whenever I start to feel like, oh, this breakdown doesn't fit me and no one wants me and they want this direction or that direction. When I can sit down and write for myself, that's when I go like, yes, this is what I should be doing. This is how to create a life for yourself in this industry. It's one of the things that you can always do. I 
you're you know talking about the work that nobody sees it's just filling that time and not you know i heard you say trying to cut the shoulds out of your vocabulary yeah. and not you know just playing that mental beat yourself up game um not be so judgmental and and kind to yourself is truly a big part of the work in the in the time when we're not working because in the time when we're not working is when that usually comes in yeah we're so hard on ourselves you know and it 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 doesn't do anything it, it doesn't make you better to beat yourself up you know yeah. and the highs are so high you know, when you're opening a show or something and, you know, you get your standing ovation and, and then when you like have nothing lined up, you know, and there's no job prospects coming up, that's so low. And those are the waves that we constantly ride in this profession. And I'm just working on for myself to figure out a way to always just have a consistent level of kindness for myself, mm. no matter what, whether I book something or, or don't, it, it doesn't change my self-worth. And I think, I, I, I hope that all, all performers can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so well said. And I have one more question for you that I've asked a couple of people who do improv on this podcast. Yeah. Um, because I am a fan of improv, though I don't, I don't do improv. Um, what does it feel like when you... Do you know where I'm going with this? Okay. <laughs> what does it feel like when you just get a horrible prompt from an audience member, but it's the only prompt you got, um, and it's the scene just doesn't go the way you want it to? Like, what does mm -hmm. that feel like? Because I know what it feels like as an audience member, um, and as a fellow performer, I feel like I can relate, but again, I don't do improv. So what is that like? It's, <laughs> oh baby, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's like this, uh, this like sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. No. <laughs> and, and you know that it's not going well. And so then you also know that you're not in the scene and you will try anything you can to turn things around and you push and you yell and that may only makes it worse. <laughs> and, and kind of my favorite at this point, cause I, I truly have bombed so much on stage and it, it's not that I like it, but it's just sort of how I dealt with it. But you know, when you can see an audience member, like crumple into themselves, <laughs> <or> like <laughs> put their <laughs> They, like, put their shirts over their mouth, you know, and they don't make eye contact with you. <laughs> you know, it's a collective. We're all, we're all just so embarrassed to be here. Oh, <laughs> But <laughs> it's, uh, what, what's that saying? You can't, you can't make an omelet without cracking some eggs. Yeah. Nice. It's like, you know, you, you cannot, I'll speak just for improv. You, you cannot have a life improvising and not bomb and like question <laughs> how you're a, a 31 year old man uh up here you know pretending like you have like a a bucket in your hand and you know it's <laughs> it's a lot of like 
like questioning your life choices when it's really going bad. <laughs> but then it's over and you're like, you get a beer after and, and then you do it all over again. <laughs> well, thank you for that. We've had a couple. It's just so funny, like listening to you guys describe what it's like when that's happening to you in real time. Because I remember seeing, I think the first show I saw you in, Mick, was an improv show. Oh my god, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I For our third date, I invited Ashley to a show of mine. Um, and of course, I had seen her be amazing at Rockwell. And I wasn't doing a play at the time, but I had this running show at... Um, you ever performed at the Clubhouse? Yes, that's actually where my mind went when you were like, what does it feel like to bomb? I bombed many times uh, at the Clubhouse. Oh goodness, yeah. well that's where I saw Mick do his first show. I, uh, thank God it was a, a fine show, and it was yeah. a team that I really liked, and and we had some good chemistry. I, um, my worst bombing memory was in the backstage at IO West, um, <laughs> which is is gone now. But RIP, RIP. Yeah, um, my it the coach of our team had thrown in a new person who we had never rehearsed practiced with or rehearsed with before, and. Our first scene together, they're like, uh, come help me bury this puppy I just killed. That's the, <laughs> that's the start. That's where we launched off from. I don't know this person at all. I had invited like a girl I was like trying to date to the show. And um, I just completely blacked out the rest of the show and the night. I don't know how I... I couldn't tell you how I responded to that. <laughs> I probably was silent for a good... You know, probably probably a good four seconds, which feels like twenty minutes on stage. Yes. Um, oh my god. I oh yeah no no. Do you have any um, horrendous bombing stories? You you can completely answer that and just say pass. But if you have one that comes to mind, uh, I mean, I I honestly have had so many that it's hard to pin. Like I I one thing that just comes to mind is early on in the my groundlings experience like some of us from our basic class got together and we were like hey we're great let's let's perform let's let's get a group together and we went to the clubhouse where of course there were more of us on stage than there were in the audience Mm -hmm. oh my gosh and (laughs) i don't even remember the suggestion but it it just started bad and only got worse (laughs) and we we all I can only speak for myself. I, I was just feeling like I will be okay if I can get one laugh in this show, which made me push and do really weird characters that made no sense. And like, I mean, I don't know if I kill the dog, but I might as well have. And it, it was, and I think I had invited friends, like the, the two people in the audience were like friends from, work and uh i just remember being like this is awful and and i and and i thought it was going to be great and i was going to look great on stage and make these people laugh and they were going to love me forever uh but it didn't turn out that way it turned out the opposite and yeah it wasn't great but But you know you bomb all the time especially at the clubhouse that that place is made for bombing absolutely (laughs) I mean, that's where you build your, you know, your toughness and, and keep going. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, with, I mean, I know 
in improv, you it's just so common to bomb all the time. But what keeps you coming back the next day? For as bad as the bombing is, truly, when you when you can do great improv with another person, it's so magical, and more so to me than any other kind of theater I've ever done. But when you can, with another person, create a character that's believable and a world that an audience can see without any props or sets or costuming. It's, it's just such a, a beautiful, magical form of storytelling when it works Mm -hmm. and you just connect with an audience and, you know, to make someone laugh is, is like a, a deep connection that, that I love. And I think is, it's so joyful and, and so it's, it's that kind of stuff. It, it is when you can get people on board with what you're talking about and genuinely laugh and connect with you. That, to me, always reminds me why I, I want to do it and what makes the bombing worth it. Because every once in a while, you get those really brilliant moments. And that's what you keep going back to. Wow. Yeah. And the audience is so with it like when when it is that magical thing um like i've seen zach woods perform at ucb a Mm -hmm. few times and it you know like when when you just say the exact right thing and it's maybe it's a callback from half an hour ago in an hour-long set that just destroys everybody in the room like you're sharing that in a way that in in a film uh you'll never get to be there with the audience creating that in that second yeah it's so cool and no other audience will ever get to experience that exact moment again and yeah you know it's then and there and we're all in it together and then it's and then it's gone yeah so just to just to um i mentioned ios which is gone uh sadly ucb sunset just closed its doors yeah um I mean, improv, you know, I, I'm worried about the 99-seat theaters coming back, but improv even more so. Um, Groundlings is going to be okay, right? Yes, I, I do think Groundlings is going to be okay. That's but, good, uh, yeah. Not that they're not struggling, though. It, it's so hard, and, you know, so much of the money made for these theaters are through the classes, and when you can't really do live classes you do zoom classes and that's sort of you know the next best thing but i i I hope that the theater is okay but i'm not even sure about anything anymore yeah yeah Yeah. Mm. um well you know uh congrats to you for pushing through for for getting there sunday company is a huge accomplishment um thank you and i remember seeing you at that christmas show saying that i want to come see you in Sunday Company, and then, of course, we've been shut down. Um, do you... So we, we spoke to somebody who is uh, on Broadway. They're in Wicked right now, and they uh, they have, like, a few months of their contract left, so they know they're going back to it, um, mm-hmm. but they're it's just waiting right now. What's your setup at Sunday Company? Like, are, do you know what to expect after this? Very little, but um, 
when when you're on Sunday Company, you you get six month like a six month performing guarantee, mm-hmm. uh, and you're sort of voted on throughout the six months, and at the end you you know you get voted if you get another six months or or if you become an alumni, uh, and that happens for a year and a half. So I guess it's sort of like a like a contract, if you will. So if I was in my first six-month contract, we've done three months of it. So mm-hmm. when we come back, there will be at least three months of being a part of the company nice. before the voting happens. How interesting, um, though, because but, yeah. this is sort of an extension, this, this like gained but also lost time. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's really felt because... It, it's really your whole life when you're when you're in it, and to have such a complete stop was. It took a long time to recalibrate, uh, and I, I assume when once we get back, it'll it'll be the same. It might take a little min- minute to get the engine moving again, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and really looking forward to seeing live theater again. I'm craving it. I, I'm realizing how much I kind of took it for granted because, you know, you, you're in it and you perform and you see someone show every week. And, and then when it's taken away from you, at least for me, it's, it's, it's been such a missing piece of my life that I cannot wait for it to come back. Me too. Us too. And uh, we went to Cooking with Gas just a little bit before the shutdown. And it's we love it's like such a perfect date night that um yeah what's that ramen place right down the street that we went to uh tatsu oh i mean tatsu ramen yes the best, and they're open so late <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fun like that whole street is so fun that whole energy around groundlings is so fun so um yeah. please let us know when you're when you're back up and running we definitely want to come and check you out in sunday company Oh, yes. Yes, please. And same with you guys. Ashley, I would love to hear you sing live. You have such a beautiful voice. Oh, thank you. And Nick, you're so talented, and I I love watching everything you do. So I cannot wait. Yay! Looking forward to all of it. Um, Well, I always finish with uh, one last question. This is a fill-in-the-blank. Okay. Could be a a word, a sentence. Maybe you want to do an improv set off of this. (laughs) Whatever, Whatever comes to mind. Uh, acting is acting it, the first thing that came to my mind truly is acting is hard uh, <laughs> <laughs> but to elaborate on that um, acting is hard because I think that it is an exercise in empathy and the human condition and uh truly what it means to connect to another human being. Uh, and frankly, we need more of it. We need more understanding, more empathy. So maybe everyone just needs to act a little more. Wow. That's well said. Beautiful. Well, um, thank you so much. And Chris, you know, uh, it's really good catching up with you. Yeah. You too, you too, and and thank you guys for having something like this set up because it's it's 
being an artist can feel really lonely. So this, the whole idea behind this podcast is so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Uh,